Man stands with America. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Hello, America. Thank you so much for tuning in today. This, of course, is the show when you come for the accent. The, the Frenchy French accent uh, might uh, make an appearance today. I don't know, huh? And you stay for the principles. And today's going to be a bit of a different show. And I'm going to ask for your to sit back and I'm going to ask for your patience because. There is a bigger point I want to make. There's a really important point that we need to talk about that is not in your political discourse on a daily basis. And it's an understanding of the fundamental transformation that is happening of your nation. But it's also happening on an individual level within your mindset. And I'm going to make the case for today and it's going to take me all the show. So if you hear something you don't like in the first few minutes, I'd ask you just to bear with me because I am making a bigger point. You know, today's discourse, if, you, if you're like me and you watch the media on both sides of the aisle, it's very easy to look at the, the discourse and it's very easy to look at social media and it's very easy to think that the only battle we face right now is a political one. It's very much, it's left versus right. It's liberals and conservatives. It's Democrats and Republicans. It's all political. But is this true? If you listen to this show for long enough, you'll, you'll know my answer is no. Is politics very important? Absolutely. I am not a political person. I don't get involved in the political day-to-day battles. You know, there's plenty of other shows that you can listen to for that, if that's what you want. But I stay away from them because I see, number one, I see a much bigger battle that is more important that needs to be addressed, that is way more important than a political battle. But I've never once demeaned politics. I've never once said, oh, you know, if you just focus on politics, you're a loser. It's not my style. I'm just like, I'm different. You do you, I'll do me. It's a very simple concept that seems to be lost in the world today. But the much bigger battle in many ways is on an individual basis. It's an individual battle for the salvation of your soul. If you're a Christian or a Jew, you're trying to see the eternal battle as a struggle between God and Satan. You might see it as an individual battle, as the salvation of your soul to, to get to heaven or are you going to hell. You know, another battle might be salvation versus damnation. Or if you're maybe religious people believe this as well and Jewish people believe this as well, but that also applies for our more atheist friends. What we have is a battle of the, of the ages. It's good versus evil. All of those battles are absolutely true. But we're also seeing a battle that needs to be identified. And this is very apt, especially with the the coronavirus talk. It's a battle that we need to understand. It's linked into everything I've just said, but it's a battle that needs to be identified. And it's a battle of laws. And those laws break into two very simple camps. You have the laws of nature and the laws of science. Now, most people will listen to this and kind of go, well, you know, these are two competing ideologies that, you know, you have to be on either side. There's been this big debate again, you know, if you've listened, if you've read world history over the, the period of time where, you know, it was always God versus science. No, God is the ultimate sciences. He is the creator. He is the alpha and the omega, if you're a Christian as I am, and believe that. But what the difference is and the understanding of why these are two competing ideologies, the laws of nature and the laws of science, you need to understand why they are competing. They do complement each other, but they do compete when you have politics involved. You see, the laws of nature, as your founders spoke about, as they spoke about in the Declaration of Independence, the laws of nature's nature's law and nature's God was self-evident truths. These have been called many things, self-evident truths, basic first principles, 
Like, you know, any time type of terminology you want to use, they're self-evident. They're just the laws of nature. You know, we are born to, to multiply. You know, you can believe that's a scriptural reference because it's a, a direct commandment from our God, or you can just believe it's it's just a lot, you know, Darwinism, survival of the fittest. And, you know, well, if we want, we can't live forever, so we need to procreate and ensure our legacy lives on so our legacy survives. You can have all of these ideas that can be for many different reasons, but they're common sense for all of us. We all know we have to find a partner and mate, or most of us do. It's a self-evident truth. But on the other side, you have science. And you have science is very much the laws of man, what man discovers. And man has discovered amazing things. Just look at the arc of our history over the last, whether you're a Christian and believe the world is 6,000 years old, or you're an atheist and the Big Bang believer and you believe it's 6 billion years old, or what, or maybe you're somewhere in between. Just look at the arc of history. Look at the things we do today that we weren't able to do 20 years ago, 100 years ago, 1,000 years ago. Man has discovered a lot in science. But the problem is that we've seen right now is, and especially with all this coronavirus talk, and a lot of the way we've reacted to science, is what we have made is science is our God. I am not anti-science, but I am an understanding that I understand that science is sometimes proven wrong. I am also an understanding that man is a scientist, but ultimately man does not know everything. That ultimately the laws of nature, and whether you believe it's God or you believe it's a rock people or you believe in aliens, whatever your theory is, but there is a higher power. There is something to be held accountable to. Man is not the highest power. That needs humility to think that. Because if we don't think there is a higher power, whether it's God or rock people or aliens or, I don't know, maybe it's a giant octopus. Again, we can debate what the higher power is another time, but that there is some higher power. But if we don't believe in any higher power, we fundamentally are saying man or a selection of men are effectively gods. And that is something that goes against the laws of nature. Because what you've seen is, Science is taking over everything. And a lot of people are cheering this. Let's follow the science, they say. But science has been proven wrong time and time and time and time again. Everyone knows who Stephen Hawking is. You know, the guy who goes around in the wheelchair and talks with the funny voice. Everyone knows who he is. Everyone knows he wrote a paper one time. How he got famous was he wrote a paper. How he became even more famous was he wrote a second paper saying everything he wrote in the first paper was effectively false. He was wrong. But that's science. But I'm going to give you a couple of examples to prove to you that science should not be the ultimate. Science knows a lot. It doesn't know everything. Because what we say is scientific fact today may not be scientific fact tomorrow. But the laws of nature were true 5,000 years ago, a billion years ago, and will be true a billion years from now. That is the fundamental difference. So let me prove to you that science isn't this almighty, powerful thing that we should just bow down at its altar and go, oh, science, you're so awesome. Did you know for, again, let me give the Christian example. Let's say, assume The world is 6,000 years old. Did you know for 5,950 of those years, science, not man, science said it was fundamentally impossible, absolutely would never happen, that man would run a mile in four minutes. It would never happen. Many people tried. Many people failed. It was scientific fact. It was biologically impossible for a man or a woman, to run a four-minute mile. Now, this is a scientific fact. If you believe in science and you put science as your God, well, why bother trying? Why bother even, you know, getting up in the morning? If you go, I want to run a four-minute mile, but you know what? The science says I can't. Guess what? You'll never do it. But you have to have this understanding of maybe science, it might be the best knowledge we have right now, but it is not the complete package. And in 1954, a gentleman called Roger Bannister won at RAN 
a four-minute mile. Run it in three minutes and 59 seconds. He got in by the skim of his teeth. It was a close call. But what has happened since Roger Bannister did that? You would think, oh, well, the laws of science. Look, the laws of science got that one slightly wrong. But you know what? It's, it's, just, the, it's just the way it is. You know, there's always going to be that little exception. You know, let's not just ban science, John, because of one person. Hmm, okay. I'm not looking to ban science, by the way. But I'm just looking to put science in its place. It is merely one voice that we have. Because you see, Roger Bannister did it in 1954. So again, let's use the Christian timeline. 5,950 years, give or take, no one visit. Since 1954, which is what, 65 years? Over 1,400 athletes have done a four-minute mile competitively. Countless others probably in training. It has now become the gold standard of a runner to run a four-minute mile. To show you how easy and how accepted this is, quote-unquote, in context. Even college athletes are running this now. This is what we have in science. But also, let me give you another example. You see, science will tell you, if you read enough science and you're smart enough to read all the terminology, if you understand why we are here on Earth and the reason we can walk around and the reason we can, you know, just walk around our house and walk around our gardens and go for, you know, walk or to do that, run that four minute mile. And that's what stops us from floating into space. Because if you look in space, they're all like, you know, it's, it seems cool. I'd love to go into space one day. But, you know, they're all floating around. What separates us from that and from us floating off into space? It's what we call the law of gravity. Again, for the vast majority of our history, and I'm using the Christian timeline, not because I'm a Christian and I'm trying to convert you, but 6,000 years is a lot less than a billion years or 5 billion years or whatever number of billion years you think the world has existed. We have this period of time where the laws of gravity were respected. Nothing would ever do. But look at what has happened over the last 100 years, 200 years. We have broken the laws of gravity. We have sent planes into the sky. We have sent rockets through the sky. We have sent man into space. We have landed man on the moon. We have sent rockets and satellites into orbit. We have sent satellites as far as Mars. This is breaking the laws of gravity. When you put science as your God, you're setting yourself up for failure. Because it may take a year, it may take 10 years, or it may take 10,000 years. But eventually, there's a really good chance you're going to be proven wrong. Because, and this is not a demeaning statement, I'm not trying to say scientists are dumb. I'm not trying to say the people who are researching and working their butt off trying to find scientific discoveries are wrong or stupid or naive. But when you put science at the top, when you make science your God, you're accepting and you're saying that, you know what? We know everything. And that is not only arrogant, it is foolish. We need to understand we don't know everything. We may know a lot. But there is an unlimited bridle of knowledge that we don't know that we are yet to discover. And even when we discover all of that knowledge, we will not reach full knowledge. There will always be more. There will always be people because of individualism who will try and break those rules. Because maybe it's impossible now to run a three minute mile. Maybe everyone will go, oh, that won't happen. But guess what? Maybe in a hundred years that becomes the standard. Look around at what you see. Look around at what you see today is just accepted for norm. Look around in sports and life and politics. We just accept things. Oh, that's the way it is. But it wasn't always that way. What changed it? An individual going, you know what? I believe. I believe. I believe. I believe we can do things better. I believe I can make things improvements. I believe I can break that record. There are so many records that are broken on a daily basis or a yearly basis. What is that? Why is that? Because man is always looking to improve or should be always looking to improve. But we will never, ever reach the apex. 
we need to understand that what we're seeing today and what we need to identify and do work really hard at is science has an absolutely key role. I am not demeaning science. I'm a big science lover. But science has a role. It is not the role. That is the fundamental difference. And we need to understand that science has a part, but also the laws of nature as well. We need to understand that there is a battle internally. And as much as we want to focus in on the politics, as much as we want to focus in on Republicans and Democrats and left and right and socialist and communist and fascist and all these other ideologies pitting against each other, we need to understand there is something much bigger at play. And I need you to focus in for the rest of your show. That's the foundation on your own self-conscious and how you see the world because the fundamental transformation is taking over in your mindset and i'm going to prove it to you the foundation the ultimate battles that we face in society but now that was the bigger picture i want to talk to you and hone in on yourself and for the rest of the show just want you to solely think of your own mindset how you see the world how you think and how you operate because there are many battles taking place within you you may know them you may not know them you may be aware of them you may be somewhat aware of them but they are happening you see there are always two sets of people in each of us You know, there is nobody that is absolutely pure good who is just like, you know, pure whiter than white. And likewise, I also believe there is no one that is 100% evil. There are both sides. There are good and evil in us. And it's depending on which voice we listen to, which voice speaks out to us, and which voice we have that inner dialogue that says, no, I can't do that. That's wrong. That's fundamental. It goes against my morals and my principles and my upbringing. That's wrong. I won't do that. There's a very, you know, scientific bad way of looking at people where, you know, if you give people and you put them in a chamber and you start pushing them and pulling them a certain way and you start turning triggers in their life, you can make them act really good or really bad. That, you know, it's all out of your control. I disagree with that. But there is that type of thinking that's out there that, you know, if we have enough levers in your life, I can get you to be a real evil SOB. But likewise, if I pull the right levers, I can get you to be real good. The reason I disagree with that is because it strips you of your individualism. It strips you of what you are, of your soul. It just believes, well, what makes you good or evil is what's around you. It's not you, it's what's around you. And if we put everyone in a good bubble, everyone's going to be good. Or if we put everyone in a bad bubble, everyone's going to be bad. That's stripping you of your individualism, of what makes you you. Now, surely there is some way of that, that it is true to it, but it takes away everything that you're based So likewise, inside of you at different times, there are voices. There are voices that will tell you, you are strong. You're well able. You can do this. Well, there will also be times where that other voice calls in and says, no, 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 no. You're not strong. You're weak. You're not well able. You're a failure. You're a quitter. We've all had those voices, right? You know, when you have those those voices in your head where you're like, I need to do something. And then this voice comes up, shut up, you dummy. You will never do that. You will never, ever achieve that. We all have those, right? Or is that just me? But likewise, you also have this voice inside of you that wants to make you independent. You, you know, you want financial independence. You want emotional independence. You want, you know, some type of independence from, you know, maybe it's to set up your own business. But there's also that voice is, no, 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 no. You need to be dependent. You need to be dependent on others. You need to be dependent on your business, not on your own business, but on business, you know, where you're an employee. There will also be voices that will tell you you're confident, that you can do things. And there's also that other voice, which is somewhere similar to the other ones we just spoke about, where it's filled with self-doubt. Likewise, there will be a, a voice inside of you that says you're brave. You know, when you're faced with, you know, a life-threatening situation, when you're faced with overwhelming adversity, You know, you'll be brave. You, you can overcome it. 
Or there's another voice that says, no, be afraid. Run, hide, find out shelter. I don't know, you know, maybe we'd be French and we'd put up the white flag, huh? There'll always be these voices inside you, all these internal battles. But what you need to understand is this is happening on an individual level, but it's also happening on a collective level. Because one of the things of the many things America is exceptional is because of its idea. We spoke about some of these ideas last week on our Independence Day special with Chris Ann Hall. If you haven't checked it out, please do. It's a really, really powerful show of just deep dive into the Declaration of Independence. But what you need to understand is the idea of America is unique. It's exceptional because no one else has ever done it. It speaks about the individual. It speaks about you and your rights, and it speaks about you and your dreams and your aspirations. It says that you can make a better life. You are strong. You are well able. You can do things if you're willing to work at them. Emma Lazarus' poem is the greatest slam on the rest of the world and Europe especially. It was focused in on Europe. Because it said, give me your tired, your weak, and your huddled masses yearning to be free, and I will give them an opportunity. That is a great Islam because the collective environment, the collective mentality, science there, I say, was saying, you know, if you come from this background, if you have this income, if you only went to this school, you could never make it. Oh, you're just a a second class or a third class citizen. Nothing good ever came from that area. Nothing good ever came from that race. Nothing good ever came from that school. You're crap. Remember that voice, that internal voice? You're weak. You're dependent. You have self-doubt. You're afraid. You will never achieve anything. It's been pushed down into you. But the idea of America was said, no, 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 no. You see all those people you're saying that are weak or crap, that can't achieve anything, that have no dreams or aspirations? Give them to me, and I will give them an opportunity, an opportunity to to be strong, to be independent, to be confident, to be brave. That is what we have. That is why America is in a unique nation. And look at how many people have achieved their American dream. But what you have seen over the last, and it's easy, and I I know a lot of people will say, I'm linking everything I'm saying to Barack Obama, because obviously he made that quote famous, the fundamental transformation of America. And Michelle Obama, Barack knows we need to change our history and our traditions. But I want to be crystal clear, I'm not linking this just to Barack Obama. This has been not a five or ten year program. This has been a hundred, a hundred and fifty year program. Because what you have to understand is these voices are starting to take over. And it's been progressing for the longest time. And I'm going to prove it to you. So for those of you who are only listening over the last, you know, maybe a couple of months or a couple of weeks, welcome, or maybe even a couple of years. You know, a lot of questions I get because people, you know, don't know my full career. is like, how did you get on the blaze? How did you get on the blaze? How does an Irish guy have his own show on the blaze and on the blaze for over seven years, thanks to each and every one of you? The reason is, is because I was a big fan of your history. I'm a big fan of your culture. I love your country. But there are people who I respect, Glenn Beck being one of them, who I see making certain mistakes. And one day, one week, he was making a mistake repeatedly. He was using a word that I think should never be used in America. It goes against your ideas. It goes against your ideal principles. But also, it's a mindset idea. What is that word? It is the middle class. And I rang him up, and I never thought I'd get through, because if you listen to Glenn, he doesn't exactly take a lot of calls. And I rang up, and I was going, I'm going to tell Glenn Beck he's wrong. And I got the call screen, and I was like, hey, you're on the Glenn Beck show? And I was like, yeah, I'm going to talk to Glenn. He's like, about what? It's like uh, he's using a term, the middle class. He shouldn't be using it. And he was like, where are you from? You don't sound like you're an American. He said, I'm not American. I'm calling from Ireland right now. He's like, you're actually in Ireland? Yeah. He's like, okay, hold. And I was like, never going to get through. All of a sudden, you know, Glenn's on the radio and it's a break and it comes back. And, you know, if this John from Ireland's going to phone in. He's telling me I'm going to tell me I'm wrong. Why am I wrong? So I gave him the whole case. This is where you were seven years ago or seven and a half years ago, to be precise. 
the middle class, why am I against it? Why do I think this is a really horrible term? Well, first of all, from an ideological point of view, from an ideological point of view, a country that says in its mission statement, all men are created equal. All men are created equal. If you fundamentally believe that in your hearts of hearts, how can you be consistent and believe in a class system? They are polar opposites. They are the exact opposite to each other. If you believe in a class system, you believe one class is better than the other. You have your upper class, you have your middle class, and you have your lower class. And even in countries like Britain, now that's developed into three, five classes. You have your upper class, your upper middle class, your middle class, your lower middle class, and your lower class. But yet all of them are created equal, right? How does that work? But secondly, and maybe more importantly, it is sending such a horrifically bad mindset to the next generation. You see, America is based around the idea of you can achieve your dreams. There is nothing stopping you, regardless of your race, your gender, your sexuality, your income, where you born, any of that stuff that the rest of the world judges on. In the idea of America, it's never been fully achieved, I admit that. But in the idea, in the principle of it, it says you can achieve it. You are strong, you are independent, you are confident, you are brave. You can do it. What is saying you're in the middle class? Everything is about, you know, if you listen to elections, all about a growing, vibrant middle class. What is that telling people? It is telling people, be average, be run of the mill, just be like everyone else. Don't blend out, don't stick out, just blend in, conform, be part of that group. That is what it is saying. And that is the argument I made. I made a lot bigger argument to Glenn. But that is why I hate that term. It is a horrific mindset. I've been talking about this for a very long time. It is not a mindset. You have five years or 10 years, 50 years, 100 years on this planet. You have a fixed income time. It does. There's no way to extend it and live forever as of yes. Maybe that happens down the road. But right now you have a fixed term on this earth. The idea that anyone wants to tell you to be average or blend in or not make everything you can of your opportunity of your life, I find repugnant. We should be encouraging people. That's seven years ago. Now I want to share a story of you today. One of the most ridiculous stories I think I have heard in a long time. I'm not saying something because I hear a lot of horse crap every day. I'm sure you've heard this story. Maquela Como, in case you don't know who she is, yes, Cuomo, she is the daughter of the Cuomo. The Cuomo in New York, the, the America's governor, God damn it. You know, he's awesome. He's, he's, his leadership helped America through, through some of the dark days. He, oh, if only he was president. Well, it turns out maybe not, if you know what's happening in New York. But his daughter. Now, here you have a person who is a governor of one of the, you know, major states in America. You have a name that is recognizable, like even people in Texas and California. Now, sometimes they might say nice things and sometimes they might say horrible things, but they know the Cuomos. You know, Cuomos are well known, shall we say. Here's a daughter of this family who is power has name recognition, has money because he got this huge book deal and, you know, the Cuomo's because of the family. They're not exactly struggling, shall we say. You have all this thing. Well, guess what's happened this week? She she had to get the headlines. Oh, she's come out. Oh, my God. She has come out as demisexual. Now, if you're like me and you're like, Gee, John, what the hell is demisexual? What the hell are we doing? Basically, this means, and I can't believe we actually in 2021 have a word for this, but this basically means you will only sleep with someone. You ready for this now? Be prepared to be prepared to be outraged and shocked, right? You will only sleep with people who you have feelings for. Oh, oh my God, the horror. But this is what she has come at us. Why am I sharing this story in relation to mindsets and the idea of America and how you join the place? What has all of this got to do in common? Idea of America, 
you can achieve anything. Go first. Dream. Aspire. Do. Nah, what we need is we need you to be part of the middle class. We need you to blend in. We need you to conform. We need you to play by the rules. To today, where you have someone who has name recognition, money, access to power, access to everything that she would want. But she has to come out as demisexual. Why? Because you see, we are not living in a world of the idea of America where you can be aspiring. We're not even living in the America of seven years ago where you should be part of the middle class and conform. No, today, we are looking and believing in that there is something noble of being a victim. There is something power that says, you know what, if I just become a minority, I can be oppressed. <laughs> I, can, I, 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 I can be dependent on people. I can be weak and I can be filled with self-doubt. And we celebrate. This is the world we live in. We need to understand the mindset is absolutely critical. Mindset at an individual level, but also on a, a national and, you know, sort of, dare I say, it, collective level is equally as important. We need to stop with this bullcrap. And I'm not saying about anyone who is actually oppressed. If you're coming out as demisexual and you think that all of a sudden gets this, you into this, you know, prism of intersectionality and intersexuality and all this crap that we want to talk about. If there is anyone genuinely oppressed, who's been beaten, abused, assaulted, anything. I will be right there with you. I will not make fun of you. I will be there linking arm with arm with you. I don't care if you're a communist and you've been oppressed, if there is someone stopping you doing something. I'll be right there because I'm the freedom guy. And yes, sometimes that means I have to step foot in and link arm and arms with people that I don't like, even people I don't like as personality-wise. But principles are bigger. But this idea that we all want to be oppressed needs to stop. We are defeating ourselves. We are living in a world where this statement is all of a sudden controversial to people on left and right. That right here, right now, when you're listening to this show in 2021, or hell, if you can listen to it in 2022 when you're doing a backlog on my archive, that we live in the greatest time that man has ever lived. That is a controversial thing. I guarantee you, if I say that on social media or I say that to people, there will always be people, and it's not, it's regardless of politics, both left and right will say it. Oh, I don't know about that. I think five years ago was better. I think when Trump was president, when America was better. I think when Obama was president, America was better. Oh, I don't know. You say that to my friends on the left and go, oh, what? But, 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 but all these things that are happening, Black Lives Matter and police shootings and racism and sexism and Islamophobia. No. There, are there some racists out there? Yes. Is there some sexism that still exists? Yes. But is it better than it was? Yes. And that's a good thing. Celebrate it. Celebrate it. Don't always be a victim. Don't believe that you're oppressed. You are not. And if you are, let's fight it. Let's not believe we're oppressed. The message that we should be saying for people and people who have actually been oppressed would appreciate this. If you're actually been oppressed, the message isn't, oh, well, you're oppressed. Go lay down. No, the message is, guess what? Yes, you have this injustice to you, but you can rise above it. You can beat us. Let's beat it together. I'll help you. Don't believe you're a victim. Don't believe you're oppressed. Let's beat us. You have this injustice. Let's overcome it and let's make a great story. But also to my friends on the right. Oh, I don't know. I, I don't know, John, if 2021 is so great. You know, we have Joe Biden as president. Is literally that what your country is coming down to? Everything I've just spoke about, God and Satan, heaven and hell, America, the idea, the culture, the country, all the technology we put. We're putting people going to Mars soon. That there has never been a better time to live. And you're like, oh, I don't know. Joe Biden is president. Joe, I don't like Joe Biden. And I don't like what he's doing. Yeah, either do I. But it boils down to, let's get out of the political mindset. Let's look at the mindset and go, yes, there are major obstacles we face. And yes, you can list a list of political obstacles that you face. But still, despite that, with all the technology we have, with all the advancements we have, we still 
are living in the best time that has ever been to live. The question is not right now. The question is, will that be true in 2022? Will that be true in 2023, 2024, 2030? This is what we need to get to. We need to start laying more foundations, not on just on science, not just in political world, but on eternal principles of being free. Now, this is where I want to make it real personal to you. And this is not going to be nice for some of you. And it's going to involve you taking a long, hard look in the mirror. What mentality do you share in life? What mentality do you have? But what do you share with other people? I want to share a quick story with you. And it's a personal story. And it sums up how I see so many people act on social media in public. Their attitude, quite honestly, stinks. Their attitude is horrible. So a friend of mine, and I call everyone friends, this person is not close to me. And um, they, I haven't spoken to this person in maybe 18 months or two years. Um, they reached out and said, hey, how you doing? Sorry we lost touch. You know, the usual stuff. I was like, cool, it's going good. How are you? And, you know, the usual, you know, chit-chat. And the person said, you know, are you still on the blaze? Are you still doing a show? I was like, yeah, I am. I'm doing, you know, I'm starting to interview guests and, you know, and different things. And he said, uh, I see you're back, uh, back training. And I was like, yeah, finally back. Um, I started back last year and love it. Um, had to stop with COVID and different things and 248 days out of the gym and, you know, hoping to enter my first competition sometime this year. And he's like, oh, well, competition, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm a competitive powerlifter. I'm, you know, I'm doing it. And he was like, wow, really? That's, that's, that's cool. Like, what are you going to do? Are you going to win? Or, you know, or what do you, you know, what are your goals? Or, you know, you're sure you're not thinking you're going to win, right? It's like, I don't know. I'm just going to lift as much. And we kind of got down into, you know, the nitty gritty stuff. And I made a statement that said, um, you know, I, I, one of the things I would love to do is I want to bench press 400 pounds. It's always been a goal of mine. And, you know, I wanted to do it when I was younger and I didn't quite get there. And, um, and it's just something I want to do. And straight away, straight away, you'll never do that. You will never do that without asking any information, without asking anything straight to a negative. You will never do that. Not asking what I'm benching right now, not what my prior best was, just straight, no, no, you, you know, you'll never do it. And then there was the, the comment, which I loved, which actually really frightened the crap out of me for, you know, for a good day or two, I'm not going to lie, when this happened, um, was, you know, I, John, look, I, you know, it's, it's really admirable. You want to, um, you know, achieve for such a big goal. Again, without knowing any of the details, never knew if I had done it before or anything. He said, uh, you know, you have to be realistic in this world. You're closer to 50 than you are to 18. Act like it. At this point, I kind of disengaged. And I was like, yeah, okay, cool. Whatever. Now, look, full disclosure. Do I think I'll ever bench 400 pounds? I honestly have no idea. I'm going to be really generous to myself and give my odds at 50-50. But here's the thing, and the reason I'm sharing this story is not to talk about me and my powerlifting and what I want to do, but it sums up the mindset how many people do you know that would actually look at that conversation and kind of go, yes, you'll never do that. I don't know what, you know, whether it's me benching 400 pounds or, you know, something else, you know, you know some kid, you know, I'm going to be the next A-Rod or I'm going to be the next Tom Brady or I'm going to be the next, I don't know, CC Sabathia, you know, whoever it is, you know, be aspire to be this next great baseball you know, I'm going to be the next Otani, you know, hit a pitcher who is who currently right now has the most home runs in, in the major leagues, which is, is is really screwed up. I don't I don't recognize the world we live in, I gotta be honest. But how many times would he have been told, You're a pitcher, you're never gonna hit that many home runs? And yet look at where he is right now. How many times do you hear the negative? How many times do we think, or like we spoke about earlier on the show, you'll never run a four minute mile? How many times do you see that? But also, especially when you're having conversations, how many times do you just see the positive encouragement? 
Oh, of course you'll do it. Again, no realistic. You know, of course you'll do it. And I'm not dismissing that. I think that's really cool. I'd much rather you to be, you know, really confident. But of course you'll do it rather than, no, you'll never do it. But is there another option to have? How about, you know, actually having conversations with people and finding out their why? No one ever wants to talk about the hard work. This is the one thing I found, you know, I find this from my training. You know, the questions, you know, let's just, you know, while you continue the story and the analogy, you want to bench press 400 pounds. Okay, cool. That's a really great goal. That's a really lofty goal. What have you done in the past? Well, I can't exactly remember because I don't keep records of what I was doing when I was younger, but I believe my highest was 374. Okay, right. So then you've got a bit of work to do. Why, you know, are you willing to put in all the hard work? Are you willing to go, you know what, for me to bench 400 pounds, it's probably going to take two years. It's probably going to take me benching once a week heavy, every week, no quitting, no stopping for two full years and maybe longer. Are you willing to put in that hard work? Are you willing to put in the effort? Or how about why do you want to lift 400 pounds? What's the motivation? You know, what's the, the hidden goal behind it? The hidden goal for me is my 400 pounds. If I want to bench 400 pounds, I should be able to squat over 500 and deadlift over 600. And that's a pretty decent competitive effort in a competition. That's 1,500 pounds. There's the, there's, it's part of a bigger picture. These are all the questions that if you had actually asked, it would have led to it. How many times do you see that today? How many times do you see so many people just dismissive of a goal? It could be a big goal or it could be part of a goal. How many times, now flip it on your head, how many goals do you have? Let's just think of something. Let's just aspire, you know, in your own head for a minute. You fill in the blank of you want to do something. Do you believe it in your own head? Because, look, you know, as someone who has depression and has suicidal thoughts in the past and, you know, is filled with self-doubt at times, it's fair. I can I can relate to what self doubt looks like. I can I can tell you I can I can empathize with anyone who goes through it. Anytime you have start having a dream, and then this voice in the side of your head goes, "You're such a stupid idiot." That's what my voice says to me. I get it all the time. Or where you you've been through a lot in your life, and you've had a lot of bad things happen to you, and you're trying to change it, and you have this voice that says, "It'll never change." I can relate to that as well. 17 years and count and trying to get into your country, you know, get up and, you know, try and go, you know what, maybe this year is going to be my year. Maybe next year is going to be my year. And my voice sometimes goes really, you know, goes really dark or goes really sarcastic. The sarcastic voice says, oh, bless your little heart. You seriously believe next year is going to be better. Oh, you're so cute. The vindictive voice goes, you're such a stupid idiot. Like, give up already. Just take the hint. America doesn't want you. America never wanted you. Just give up and save yourself the hassle. Give up, man. You're never getting there. You're weak. You're never going to happen. And that self-doubt turns into fear. And then there's that person who, even though they didn't mean to make it about other parts of my life, they just meant about bench pressing was like, man, I'm closer to 50 than I'm 18. I'm closer to 50 than I am to 18. Wow. Have I wasted my life? How many times do you have those talks? But also on the flip side, let's go say you actually do have a dream. Do you have a support system that says, you know what, I have this dream and I want to make it happen. Do you have a support system that says, okay, why do you want to make it happen? And let's encourage you to get there. Or is everyone around you just going to go, <laughs> you're crazy, and just reinforce all that negative self-thought in your head? What mentality do you have? But also, what mentality do you share online? Look around on social media. Do you see much positivity? Do you see much goodness? Do you see much encouragement? Do you see much inspiration? Or do you just see a lot of hate, a lot of negativity? I see this on all sides. I see this in America. I see this happening partly due to Corona, but it was getting worse anyway. America and the world is going through a mental health crisis. Kids are just so horrifically afraid and upset and depressed and annoyed right now. Why is that? 
because they've been told that they need to conform, they need to fit in. They believe they can't stand out as an individual. They must belong to the group. But also, we have such a negative mindset that we will literally beat the, anyone to a pulp who dares rise up. We will pull them down so quick. You want to know some of the reasons why the rich get richer and the poor get poorer? Mindset. And this is cruel and horrible to say, but it is so true. You know, the rich people, do you think rich people, do you think Bill Gates is hanging around with negativity people? Who's sitting around people kind of going, yeah, I, I want to come up with this thing. It's called, a, you know, it's Microsoft. Um, it's, it's going to be like, a, you know, Microsoft Word and Excel, and it's going to be like the, the running system for a computer. Do you think he had people around him went, that's the most ridiculous, dumb idea I've ever heard? Or do you think you have people kind of go, okay, let's make it happen. What do we need to do? What do we need to do? When Steve Jobs was creating the iPad, do you think he had people who are negative? Or do you think he had people who are positive, who believed that we could do it? Now, fast forward to, to poorer people. You think the poorer people have really positive people in their society, in their, in their life circle? Or do you think a lot of people would just pull you down if they could? If you started rising up out of the poor, out of, the, you know, wherever you're from, they pull you right back down. No, get back in line. You need to conform. There are many reasons the rich get richer and the poor get poorer. We've discussed them on this show many times, but a lot of it is mindset. Why is that? But now a lot of times... A lot of people will look at today's show and kind of go, geez, John, you focus in an awful lot on the left. Let me focus in on the right for a minute. I spoke, mentioned this briefly in the last segment. I see a lot of my friends on the right believing America is over, that America's best days are behind her. You're wrong. And even if you're right, you're wrong. You're wrong now. Why? Because here's the truth. This is what the enemy wants you to believe. The enemy wants you to believe you're dumb. The enemy wants you to believe that America's best days are ahead of her. Why? Because the idea of America spoke about the laws of nature. That is an eternal principle. That is an eternal being, whether you believe it's God or something else. So naturally where God is potentially, Satan and the evil and temptation is not going to be far away. They want you to believe it's over. They want you to submit. They want you to bow down. They want you to lay down your sword and go, it's over. America's done. Thanks for playing. Or they want you to get better. Because the other thing is, if I can't get you to lay down and give up, I want you to get bitter. I want you to get angry. I want your heart to be filled with so much negative darkness that you will literally go crazy. Again, I'm not just saying this from you know, a theoretical point of view. I'm saying this from an actual point of view. My life, I can see how those negative thoughts when it comes to my dream of America. If I can't get you to give up on America, I'm going to get you to hate it. I'm going to get you to be so resentful. And sometimes people make it easy. Sometimes people make it easy to be get resentful about America the way some people act. It's so easy to kind of go, oh, you know, it's just, you'll never get there. You know, John, you know, America never wanted you. America doesn't respect you. You can get all this hatred. Look at the left, John. You wouldn't like it here anyway. You wouldn't like it living under Joe Biden. And you can start building all this resentment up. Or you can have a situation where you have right now where I've had to postpone part of my tour yet again because of coronavirus because I can't enter your country as a vacationer and a tourist, but yet your border's wide open, baby. You can just jam them boys right in there. It's easy to get resentful. It's easy to be hateful. It's easy to get angry. Now, I'm not some pure and pure person. I have all these feelings. But I wash them away because I keep looking for forward to the future, trying to hope, trying to dream, trying to make tomorrow a better tomorrow. Because I understand what happens today won't be tomorrow unless I bring it over with me. America's best days are not behind her. America's best days can still be in front of her if you work. If you get rid of this mindset of negativity, 
if you refuse to believe, like using the analogy at the start of this show, if you refuse to believe that science says a four-minute mile is impossible, how many times do you hear this about America? Oh, look, John, America's had 200-plus years. Empires and, you know, great civilizations never last more than 200 years, and then they crumble. America's going to be no different. If you believe that, that's true. It's your mindset. You have to get up and keep fighting. You have to keep working. But also, dare I say it, and this is a Christian message, what you need is to keep fighting because you need to understand the eternal battle is not left versus right or Joe Biden versus Donald Trump or any politician. It's about doing the right thing, even from a very selfish point of view, to do your best to ensure you get to heaven and not to hell, that you get salvation and not damnation. You need to work. Because America's days are still yet to be written from a human point of view. You've had many dark days before. You think America's history is easy? Go read your history. It's incredibly hard. If you didn't have, you know, the idea of America and that optimistic mindset, look how many things would never have happened. Look how many times you think you would have beaten the British in the revolution. If you didn't have a positive mindset, if you weren't playing for something bigger, you would have got your asses whooped. Handily. And you nearly did. Then you wouldn't have beaten them again in 1812. Oh, well, lightning only strikes once. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Well, we're going to give up. You think America's bad days are just starting? You think what you face right now is worse than what happened during the revolution? That was worse than happened during slavery? Go read a history book. I dare you. Read a history book and tell me what you face right now that is worse than what your founders faced in the revolution or what people around like Abraham Lincoln faced during the Civil War. Go tell me. Please do. Tell me what oppression and big government and how bad you have it right now that you have it worse than they have it. Please. I'd love to hear your answers. I'm on social media, Freedom Disciple, Facebook, Twitter, MeWe. I'm not hard to find. Message me. I'd love to hear what you face right now that is worse than what they faced. Go read about Frederick Douglass. Go read about Booker T. Washington. Go read about Crispy Tattics. Go read about John Stockton. Go read about these people. What do you face right now that is worse than what they faced? The difference is mindset. They faced bad things. They just didn't let it get to them. They kept going. You think you have it worse than what we call the greatest generation? The people who've actually overcame Nazism? Go read about World War II if you want more modern-day history. Go read about the storming in the beaches of Normandy. Go read about D-Day. Go read about it and kind of go, what do you have that you face right now that is worse than what they faced? Honestly, do. I'd love to hear your answers. Now, am I trying to be demeaning? No. So please don't think I am. I'm just trying to put things into context. I have no doubt that there are people listening to this who are going through a hard time. They've lost their job. They're underwater in their mortgage. They have problems with money. They have problems with addiction. They're depressed. They are lonely. They have problems with drugs. They have problems with drink. They have problems with gambling. They have problems within their family. They're hurt. They've lost someone to cancer or to a heart attack or to COVID. I have no doubt that you could tell, give me a long list of things that you face right now. And my heart would break with you. And, they, and I would genuinely sit down with you and talk to you and kind of go, are you okay? There is a such thing. We do need compassion in this world and we need a lot of us. But we also need an understanding that there are two things. There is a time to be compassionate. There's a time to sort of figuratively and literally put my arm around you and say, look, you had a really tough time. There's a time to let you cry on my shoulder. There's a time to love and support you and hug you and say, look, it's, it's horrible. You know, let, let it all out. But there also comes a time when I must say to you, yes, you've had it tough. But this toughness, this what you've had done to you, this injustice, this pain, this suffering does not last forever. This is the end of this chapter. We're now starting a new chapter. Let's write a fresh one. 
We don't want what happened in the last chapter carrying over. We don't want it affecting the rest of your life. We want to start dreaming again. We want to start being positive again. It may take time. Some people might take a day or two, depending on the pain. It might take a week. It might take a month. It might take a year. It might take 10 years. Heck, if you have some of these addiction battles, there's a reason they say, you, like if you're an alcoholic and you're recovering, and if you're clean for like five years, you're still called an alcoholic. Even though you're clear for five years or 10 years, it's always you're constantly battling it. Why? Because it's a lifelong battle. But how many times do you see people go through really bad things and not overcome them? We need to start encouraging people because the enemy really wants you to think America's over. I get you're frustrated. I get you're tired. I get you're hurt. I get it. Big government sucks. If there's a mantra of this show for the last seven years, it would be rightly that. Big government sucks. There's a reason I don't focus in on your politics of left and right. But when I talk about morals, I know the pain of big government. I've been trying to escape it for 17 years. There's a reason why I'm not only anti-big government, but I'm pro-constitutional. Because I understand that the virtues and that the lack of pain caused by limited government is a lot more than the pain that's caused by big government. I'm an advocate for it. That's what I promote. I get your pain. But what are you going to use that pain towards? Are you going to give up? Are you going to believe what the enemy's telling you? Are you going to believe in the fundamental transformation that America's done? That America, the idea is done? That we all should just lie down? We should just give up? We should just conform? We should fit into our different labels? That we should feel that we're oppressed? That we're a victim? Or do we need to start getting out and start building a better future? That we should start building. You know what? I'm not oppressed. I've had an injustice done to me, but I'm going to get through it. Because trust me, it's very easy to feel oppressed. I could feel oppressed. I could look at America's treatment right now of being kind of go, geez, America hates me. America's immigration policies are unfair to me. And well, you know, America's history, you know, America just didn't like Irish people because I remember my family telling me about the times and, you know, in certain parts of New York where there were literally signs on the door where it said, no blacks, no patties. Man, you just really hate Irish people. Man, I, you know what? I want reparations. I, I, I'm oppressed. I'm a victim. This is wrong. Trust me, that's such an easy narrative to tell yourself. It's so easy. And it's so easily believed, which is more scary. But we can get through that or we can start working and building a better tomorrow. Because here's the thing I will tell you. It is absolutely critical, if you're listening to this right now, how to fight Because what you're seeing right now, and social media has the algorithms that makes this so more likely. We are in a battle. God versus Satan, heaven versus hell, salvation versus damnation, good versus evil, the laws of nature versus the laws of science, Republicans and Democrats, yes, absolutely included. But what we are also in a battle is in a battle for our souls. And that battle is the battle of anger, hate, and bitterness versus love forgiveness and inspiration if you want to overcome this if you want the mission if you want the battle plans of how to overcome what you're facing right now allow me to give them to you the solution is choosing love over anger it's choosing inspiration over hate it's choosing forgiveness over bitterness it's choosing the idea of america versus this modern day crap of being a victim being like everyone else you are an individual god created you god loves you there is no one like you you may have some common bonds with other people some similarities but you as an individual are unique there is no one quite like you and you have an opportunity you have an opportunity that says guess what i can conform and just live a life that everyone else lives in this world I just blend in and just do what everyone else does. Or you have the opportunity to change the world by being different, by being a better person, by being a person who inspires other people, who encourages other people, who changes the world through their imagination or their creativity. That is what we need. We need to live in a world where we understand the battles we are faced right now. Because what you see right now, and especially this is just for my friends on the left, on the right. What you see is it's so easy to see a certain line of thinking 
and go, oh, that's just anti-American. Think about what I said at the start of this show. Go back and listen to it again if you need to. There are bigger battles that we are facing right now. I get the talk of it's anti-American, but it is so much bigger when you understand the eternal battles. America doesn't play that big of a role in the eternal battle. The individual does, because America is based around the individual, not the collective. And when you think of God versus Satan, America doesn't have too much role in that. When you think of good versus evil, America doesn't have much role in that as a collective. It's about the individual. It's about your role. You need to understand the enemy is Satan. The enemy is negativity. The enemy is evil. The enemy is all these things. We need to start beating it. We need to start overcoming it. But we also need to understand the light, the grounds of society. And this is where I'm going to give you one last analogy, which I think is so apt. You have in your culture so many potential things to do good. But what you have on both sides of the aisle, and it's so annoying, and it does my head in because I have friends on both sides of the aisle, is where you actually have a situation where you both view each other as the fundamental enemy of America. My friends on the right, all those lefties are all socialists and communists. I'm sure there, there are a lot of them. But is every Democrat one of them? No. I know a lot of Democrats who are good, decent people. They're just terrified to speak out because they get hated by the right and they're te- they definitely get destroyed and pummeled by the far left. But they are good, decent, noble people. We disagree on some principles. We disagree on the size of government. That's cool, but that doesn't make you the enemy. Likewise, I have friends on the left who are all those right-wingers, those Trump supporters. They're all sexist and racist and, and xenophobic and they hate the offense man. Uh-huh. They're all these things. All these phobias, they're just so hateful. And I'm like, no, they're not. Go talk to one. Oh, no, it's much easier to believe it. We need to start understanding that the vast majority of people, it's like a court case. Yes, there are evil on the left. Yes, there's evil on the right. But what you have to understand is there is one judge, God. There's one prosecutor. There is one defendant. And there's 12 jury members. Because you see, right now, what you have in your culture and your mindset is anyone who doesn't think the way I do is the enemy. I have to destroy them. And it's all about, and that's like a court case. You have the prosecution trying to destroy the defense and the defense trying to destroy the prosecutor. Yes. But the understanding, what you have to understand is there are 12 people in the jury waiting to make a decision. It's ever who makes the case better that the jury will lean on. Now, look around at your mindset and the way you talk. The average American person is the 12 members on that jury. We need to start making the case for America. It's no longer okay to say, well, look, all those far left people who, you know, want to be a victim and Michaela Cuomo, what an idiot and all how dumb they are. That's not making an argument. The American people aren't buying this. The American people also aren't buying that it's left versus right. Look how much disenfranchisement there is. The solution, the battle plan, the objective is the idea of America. Inspire. It's time to inspire a generation again. It's time to inspire a generation to love America. Not just say you should love America. Because, spoiler alert, that doesn't work. Again, I'm living proof of it. Do you know him? You know what I talk about? You know, can imagine what I'm like? Do you know how many times I've been told I should be proud to be Irish? Bull crap. Can't stand this country a lot of the times. Oh, John, you're so unpatriotic. You should be ashamed of yourself. Really? Why? Telling me I should love Ireland is about as effective as some you telling an American they should love America. This is about as effective as telling some of these activist athletes that you should love America. It doesn't work. You don't need to just tell them. Tell them your history. Tell them what you're about. Tell them about the idea of America. Explain how you changed the world. Explain how we are the only country in the world that spoke about the idea of the individual, regardless of your background. Tell them about Emma Lazarus's poem. And say, yes, we maybe never have fulfilled this idea, but let's work together to actually, for once, make this vision a reality. And let's work together. You think that would be better than what you do right now? Hate is a powerful emotion. It needs to go away. We need to inspire. 
we need to talk to people. We need to start opening the lines of communication with people. Because deep down, if you want to survive, if you want to prosper, and you want to hand off a better America to your kids, honestly, it only boils down to three little words. Dream, believe, achieve. You need to dream it. You need to believe it can become a reality in every part of your soul. And then you need to work to achieve it. That's all it boils down to, America. The question is, who has the who has the brawls? Who has the audacity to dream that, you know what, America's best days are ahead of her? I hope that many of you listening shouted, I do. I hope that then it boils down to how many of you believe it can become a reality? I hope a lot of you shouted, I do. And I hope when it comes to who will work to make this an achievement and make it happen, the vast majority of you, and I will. Because those of you that spoke out, I will join you. I will link arms with you. I will be your biggest cheerleader. And man, may I say how sexy of a cheerleader I am. Yes, I joke. Who wouldn't want an overweight, bald Irish guy to be your America's biggest cheerleader? I fit the role perfectly. But to those of you who had some doubt on all three of those steps, or one of those steps, or two of those steps, I'm not going to demean you. Here's my promise to you. I'll link arms with everyone else who said they will. But to you, I will do my damnedest to inspire you. I will do everything I can to make you believe and share the stories with you that America's best days are still ahead of her. That you can and will and must change the world for better. Because coronavirus has shown that our rights don't come from God, that they come from governments, and they can be stripped at a moment's notice for national security or in the name of public good or common sense. We need to start making rights from God again, that my right does not stop for your convenience and start building up a people that is free, that is loving, that is inspirational. And that overcomes the mindset where the enemy tells you, you can't do it. You say, yes, I can. I hope this show has given you something to think about. Until next Saturday at 12 noon Eastern, we finish up the way we always do. Be saluting you, the great American people. America is great because Americans are good. You're not great because of Trump or Biden or the left or right or Democrats and Republicans. You're not a collective. You're great because of each and every one of you listening. You're great because of everything you do. The individual will win this war, not the collective hive mindset. Have a beautiful and blessed week. Freedom versus freebies. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network.